welcome to Ongoing Mastery, Presenting and Speaking, the podcast, the event, the community, the lifestyle. I'm Kirsten Rourke, CEO and founder of Rourke Training. And I'm Kelly Donovan Condren, producer, writer, and herder of cats. Very much so. As the cats, yes, I appreciate it. Thank you. Today, we are talking about shockingly ongoing mastery, but specifically ongoing mastery at different stages of your career when it comes to presenting yeah. and speaking. Now, this refers to technical trainers, coaches, teachers, speakers. Presenting and speaking is a pretty broad area, but it is a very specific set of skills that you develop over time. Kelly, as a literature professor who has been teaching people for a long time, what do you notice is the beginning of people working on the presenting and speaking? What are they struggling with when they start? They struggle to get the words out of their mouth, either with the ums and ahs, or they speak so fast it all runs together in a five-minute presentation takes 30 seconds, or they're thinking while they're talking, and the pace is really uncomfortable. So just speaking, just literally the speaking part is often the very new speaker's biggest challenge. Yep. And I've noticed that as well. And getting past the fear because, you know, the public speaking fear is universal. Some have it more than others, but everybody has the discomfort. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed is not only the ums and errs, but the hardest part when you're starting, which unfortunately, sorry, doesn't go away, it just becomes easier, is that the terror of making a mistake. And the good bad news is that you're going to make a mistake. Yeah. You're going to mess up at some point, and you're going to mess up more than once. And the thing about presenting and speaking is you really only get your sea legs after you've messed up a few times. But a lot of times yeah. when people are doing it, they're doing it in a situation where there's not really slack for them to do that. They're doing it in front of a customer or their boss, which is why we always beat the drum around practice, practice, yeah. practice practice. Because you have to be able to mess up and you have to be able to mess up in a space that is not going to punish you for messing up. Yep. Kelly, how often have you noticed that people, especially on LinkedIn, will say, oh, well, I don't I don't practice and prep my public speaking or, or stuff because it makes me too stiff. And I'm sorry I'm being snotty in my tone, but it really bugs me when people say that. So how often have you noticed that? I notice it a lot and I don't believe it. People who can do this without running the script in their head, maybe they don't call that practicing. So when they say, I don't practice, they mean I don't stand up in front of a podium and point at a screen and do my thing. Maybe that's what they mean. I've yet to meet someone who goes from task for public speaking to doing that task without any work in between. Yeah. The best ones put in the work. Now, I know people who wing it, but winging it comes from a depth of experience. And honestly, as someone who historically yeah. would wing it, I really need to do less of that. And I'm working on that. My ongoing mastery right now that I'm working on is incorporating more storytelling and more structured, actual trained improv skills, rather than my winging it that I've, I've learned to do over decades. What is on your ongoing mastery plate right now? Learning to speak on mic. My classroom is generally small. I teach a maximum of 30 students at a time. I don't need to have a mic in the room to reach the nosebleed seats. I'm not in theater style, stadium style, large lecture hall seating. So I'm not used to speaking on mic. And even when I go to conferences, each panel is relatively small. And again, because I can project, 
I'm not used to being on mic. So between breath control, microphone placement, what the equipment is, so that I'm not sounding like a breathy 50 starlet because I've somehow forgotten how to breathe and talk. That's the main thing I'm working on right now. And the reason those of you those of you who are coming to us through Apple or Spotify or some of the audio formats will not see my face, but I'm cracking up because this is not the first run we've done at this episode. And when Kelly says the breathy starlet, I cannot help but do an impersonation of the you know happy birthday, Mr. President from Marilyn Monroe, which always makes Kelly a little unhappy. So I'm restraining myself physically from doing it right now. <laughs> so I'm trying. See, I can learn. So when you're working, you're always going to have ongoing mastery. You're going to have more and more. You're never done. I've been, you know, I've been doing public speaking for 20 years. I got my first actual public speaking coach this year. I got Tim David. And what I love about Tim's work is that he is working with me on refining some keynote work and said, well, if you're done working on your keynote, you've killed it. Essentially, you're never done because it's a performance, a connection between you and the audience. And one of the things that Kelly knows and I know, and that the people who've been doing this work a long time know, it's not about your material. It's about your audience, then your material, and your material comes second. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. That's a hard part for people to get. It is because your material is what you know, what you can control, how you present it, and you can know something about your audience, but you can't always control your audience. And so preparation feels like it's about controlling everything, absolutely everything within your domain. But sometimes you can't do that. Most of the time you can't do that. Yeah. And and that's one of the things that is again part of this work is ongoing mastery you are going to mess up. You are going to make mistakes. You're going to do well. You're going to do badly. You're going to do a mixture. And every single time you do it is a unique instance. It's a unique experience because you've never been the you in this moment with the material with that audience before. Every single time is unique. And I wish that I could go back in time and talk to myself from 17 years ago when I was in Boston teaching, I think it was at the Federal Reserve, I was teaching email through I don't Lotus Notes or something. And I had the same program. I was teaching the same program three times a day for like two weeks. And I got to the point where I was literally, did we cover this? Wait, did we did we do this already? I got lost. And the reason I got lost is because I was running the material. And it was independent of who was in the room, which was a mistake. But I wasn't experienced enough at that point to know that who's in the room or on the camera determines the flow. And that you're shaping and steering that, you're riding that, but you're not, you know, you're riding the wave. You're not controlling the wave. The wave is going to do what the wave does. You're on the surfboard trying not to fall the hell down. That's your job. So I wanted to bring up. Ongoing Mastery's newest discovery, John Chen Engaging Virtual Meetings. John Chen is a really, really fun guy. He Now, I am a fairly intense personality. I know that's shocking to you. I find John Chen to be drinking from the fire hose. Like, I get on a call with him and I'm like, okay, here we go. Because he's a very full personality. And it's lovely. It's wonderful. It's also like, okay, got it. I can take this in. And John runs events where he has so much available to you. 
that you really want to go back to the recordings. You want to go back to your notes. You want to take stuff over time. And what happens with people like me and people like Kelly is we will go, oh, I should have known that. I should already be doing that. And that doesn't work. Kelly, how do you yeah. get past the shoulds? Awkwardly and with with practiced grace. But when I keep spinning in a circle about what I should have done is the sign to me that I need to step out of the circle and put that over there and just do something, whatever the task is that I'm trying to figure out. But the woulda, coulda, shoulda doesn't help me actually do. Yeah, I... Uh, as those of you who have been following our podcast for a while or have seen me in webinars or on stages, as you know, I have a little trouble getting out of my own way and getting my own ego to shut up. So when I first went to this event, I was invited to it. I went to it with the, oh, this will be nice. I've been doing this 20 years. I'm not going to pick up new stuff, but I'll see people present. I'll learn from that. I'll see how the audience is. It'll be great. And I got to check my ego within five minutes of the first presenter, which was wonderful because it was a magician and I love magic. I just adore it. I had I a magician instead of a DJ at my wedding, which tells you my husband loves me because he rolled with that completely. He was like, of course we're having a magician. And so, you know, he was like, but of course we are. It's totally Kirsten. So this guy not only was showing virtual magic tricks, wonderful, showing really good connection to the audience. He was absolutely adapting in the moment, but he also showed his tech and he showed the behind the scenes and all the bells and whistles. And I went completely like squee. I just was like, I have to have all of the things and all the toys and had to talk myself down afterwards of no, we're not buying all new equipment. We're not suddenly getting a whole mixer board and all the things. Stop. But it was wonderful. It was really, yeah. really good. And I'll say that at this event, it's a virtual, you know, four, like four hours a day for four days, five days. Some, I, it's a blur. There are things in there that I'm simply not going to incorporate. Like they just don't fit my work. They don't fit my people. But it's still really worth seeing what other people are doing yeah. and also how the audience is reacting to them. And kind of picking that up. Mm -hmm. So yeah. for ongoing mastery, I'm going to work on storytelling. I'm going to work on my improv. And then I want to go past that. I don't know what my next tier is. Do you know what your next tier is beyond the microphone thing? What you want to tackle after that? I think once the microphone is dialed in, particularly if it's a headset or if it's a boom mic, gestures. I don't gesture a lot in this space, in part because I'm worried about whacking the microphone or causing extra static. I'm usually much more animated in terms of my arm movement as I'm teaching. So incorporating that more comfortably instead of being as still as I've tended to be so far on camera is my next thing. Yeah, I think... Uh, what I have to be careful of is that the next thing in my list, I need to I need to prioritize and not do all the things at the same time. And yes. Kelly's smiling because her one of her jobs is to keep me in track because I will try to do all the things at the same time. Yes. When I that. did the TEDx in Houston and I was with these amazing women, they were all glamorous and beautiful and oh my God, they were just so together. And I put on my work face, which is what you see here on camera. I forgot, and I have 25 years of belly dance experience. I should have remembered this. I forgot the lights and the distance with the camera was going to wash me out. So there's photos of yeah. these women all looking elegant and glamorous and me like the little white moon going wee in the background. And so 
I, I'm actually a little stuck because when I first came to do this work, I am used to having either no makeup or belly dancer makeup. I was the makeup mom for my troupe. Our makeup could be seen from space. It was very much like false eyelashes, the whole nine yards. So I went and got a session with uh, Bobby Brown's makeup artists. And if you go to bobbybrown.com, you can actually get consults with the makeup artists. And then, you know, you buy the makeup afterwards to pay for the session. But, oh God, it was so wonderful. I need to do it again. And I need to go back to the same guy and say, I have my work face. Thank you. I now need a stage face for Zoom and for this kind of camera work that is not Middle Eastern, near and Middle Eastern dance, but yeah, stage performing. Because yeah. I was looking at the photos going, I'm a peach blur. Oops. So that's yeah. going to be one of the things I'm working on. I will not be, now that I wear glasses, I will not be putting false eyelashes back on because false eyelashes and glasses are not a happy making thing, but it's I will do funny. the rest of it. It, it, it is. Um, it is funny watching me try to make that work. And a lot of times you're just sort of, you know, keep move the glasses away because the lashes that I would use, like, actually can cause waves of air in the room. <laughs> um, but I still have my whole kit upstairs, too. It's amazing. That's really funny. <laughs> it's like, I, I need to bring it out one day on camera and go, see all this? Whoop! This is one day. This is one face. <laughs> And see how many people are terrified. Go, you put all of that on your face? Yes, we did. Um, and I will give a particular shout out to Tony, nuclear engineer by day, Middle Eastern dancer by night, who was a love over 25 years of letting me come and try to put eyeliner on him. And he was trying his best not to crawl out of the chair because someone's <laughs> coming at your eye with a pencil. It was right. not happy making. So we had fun. So... What do you say would be your advice, Kelly, for people who are in their ongoing mastery journey, as we all are, and kind of need to figure out what their next thing is that they want to work on? What if they don't know what they want to work on? What would you advise? I would say to go with the thing you dread most or have the most negative emotion about. Ooh. Because if you're having that negative emotion, it's getting in the way of your work and doing something to make that less negative or even positive will improve your work. So whatever that thing is that you're avoiding, the monster in the corner, whatever it is that you really know would make things better and you really do not want to. When I started running, a couple of friends also started at the same time and none of us really wanted to, but we're doing it for our various reasons. And so we were team, do it anyway. Awesome. It's okay if you're scared. It's okay if you don't like it. It's okay if the whole experience is just really miserable, but do it anyway. And so that's what I would advise for people who aren't sure what they need to work on, but have the sense it's something, is look for the thing you really don't want to and do that thing. I love it. I love it. I think that's great. I My advice will be, that is an excellent suggestion. A secondary suggestion would be, what what is the thing that you look at and kind of go, huh? I wonder how, like, what is it that trips you, that, that makes you go, how do they do that? And for me, that's why it's storytelling, because I was mm -hmm. on masterclass.com or whatever it is, and I was watching the Neil Gaiman storytelling series, and I got halfway through his lecture and went, oh, I'm not, I'm not incorporating this. I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me 
to incorporate it in this way. And I haven't even finished this class because I dead ended there and realized that I needed to kind of go on this journey of meeting storytellers and kind of starting to pull that into my brain and osmosis that work for myself. And I think mm-hmm. the the following your fear thing is great because one of my concerns in storytelling is going going too far out there. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to make sure that I'm always tying it to the real world lesson for people. Well, you don't have to make it real to tie it to a real world lesson. It can be fantasy. It can be theoretical. It can be completely abstract. You can still do that. And I don't have the faith in my own storytelling skills to tie some of those together. So I'm definitely going to be going into that part of the the fear of, yeah. all right, how could I bring this in and still get real world goals? Because for those of you new to this, the deal is your work, the audience, the two of them together. What are you doing? What are your objectives? You need your learning objectives. You need your business objectives. That's the goal. That's what you're trying to hit. The combination of the people, the objectives, and your work together, that's all you have to care about. Whatever you do to get that done is valid. Now, Mm -hmm. it can be as goofy as I I teach people how to curse in Old Norse in software classes. (laughs) It can be whatever. So whatever works for you. Uh, What would you say, as we wrap up, Kelly, is the more unexpected thing that your students discover when you are trying to teach them in the literature class? Oh, dear. I think a lot of students don't trust that what they want to say is the right thing. So, so many students start out with, I don't know if this is right, but I try very hard to stop them with that. But I think they're the most surprised when I will say the thing that we're all thinking and eyes are shifting in the room so I can tell we're all kind of thinking the same thing and I'll just say it. And they're always a little surprised that I actually said it. Generally, if we're talking about literature on taboo subjects and all right, now it's out there. Now we have to deal with it. And they're like, but I, I didn't know that was a thing. It's fine. And so giving them permission to kind of play and go as far out there as they can with what they're seeing. Rarely are they so wrong that we just have to abandon the whole thing, right? And helping them find where reasonable interpretation is, I think, is their biggest surprise about themselves. Awesome. I love it. And I, I'm going to leave it on that note because I think that's perfect. <laughs> we are going to, as always, invite you to come onto LinkedIn into the Ongoing Mastery Presenting and Speaking group, which is where we'll post links of things we've discovered, updates, the podcast links, all of that, and share with us what you would like to hear more about who you want to see us interview. We've got some really great interviews. In fact, we've got one I'm doing in eight minutes. So we're going to wrap it up so I can hop into that interview and record it. And we will have some really fun stuff coming up for you. So we will see everybody next week. Thanks for coming. Cheers. 